Good morning. Glad that you've joined us today. You know, I didn't have enough courage to give this sermon the title that I was thinking of. This is a safe one. Citizens that shine. Isn't that nice? What I was thinking I should have said is, citizens that shine, not whine. <laughs> it says in my uh, uh, version of the Bible that, that, that I'm going to be quoting from today, it gives a little title for each section, and this is about doing everything without grumbling. Uh, we, we just sang a song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I could have probably put in there, prone to grumble, Lord, I feel it. It's just kind of the way it can be. We're, we, we're in this book on uh, this letter uh, to the Philippians, and, and the, um, just the ironic thing about this letter, it makes, us way, it makes it way more powerful, is that the Apostle Paul is, is talking about the joy that is ours as citizens in heaven citizens of heaven. But he's writing this from prison, talking about how great it is to be a Christian. And so one of the things that, that we're learning as, as we follow Christ is, is that uh, when we come to know him, that, that we are no longer held hostage by the circumstances of our lives in terms of finding a sense of peace and joy. We, we've come to know that the, being a citizen of heaven it's even better than knowing that we've asked Christ into our lives. It's understanding that when we hear the gospel, that God is inviting us into his life, his life, that we now become part of something wonderful and bigger, not easier, not easier. In fact, it's a, it's a walk of faith because it's, in many ways, backloaded, not front-loaded, back-loaded. We are called to a life of faith, of trusting God, that living for something more than ourselves is a reflection of the one who gave himself for us. And one day, we are going to just say, wow, was that worth it? Although there are times now when we say, I wonder if this is worth it. This morning, we, we have this in, in just these few verses, we're going to take a look at Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. If you have a Bible with you, great. If you have a phone with you, that's fine too. You might want to hit your Bible app and follow along. We're going to take a look at this text in three sections, verses 12 and 13, verses 14 through 16, and then verses 17 through 18. And as we do this, we're going to um, <clears throat> be looking at Paul describing the the beautiful, though not always easy, ramifications or consequences of coming to know Jesus as our Lord. That we, when we have been granted citizenship in the kingdom of God, when we have been adopted into the family of God, this is, this is not just a moment that impacted us where we, where we received a fire insurance policy so we don't go to hell when we die. It's more than that. It's a call to a whole new life. And we struggle at times to understand how we can be saved by grace and yet called to a very different life. Does my performance in this very different life affect whether or not I'm saved? Or does the assurance that I'm saved affect the pattern and trajectory and, 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 and direction of my life as I'm living 
in this short dash between the time that Jesus called me to himself through the gospel and that time that he will call me home. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to be thinking about this together as uh, this morning. Beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Father, this morning we understand that we are a part of a reality that not everyone understands. and Sometimes we struggle to understand it. That here in this beautiful, broken world, we have been called with an unshakable hope that this is not the way things will always be. That the time will come when you will set everything right. Sin and brokenness and, and, and sorrow and the things that uh, hurt will be gone. Then we will be living in a new heaven and a new earth. But until that time, we're navigating the world the way that it is. But we thank you that in your great love you broke into this world the way that it is to provide hope and direction, to provide peace and purpose. So this morning, help us. If any of us have not come to rest in the incredible grace that you've given us in Jesus Christ, we pray that we might find ourselves doing that even today. If some of us are restless because we understand that we've been saved, but are trying to figure out what that means between now and your return. Are we working for our salvation? Did you save us by grace and now keep us by works? God, by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you bless us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a really important word that starts starts this text today. In fact, it's, it's a word that Paul uses often. In fact, it's often kind of like a hinge in his writings, in his letters. Whether you're reading Romans or First and Second Corinthians or Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or First and Second Thessalonians and so on, there's often a pattern in these letters. He often begins by reminding his friends of the glory that they share in being the objects of God's saving grace. He often exalts Christ for all that he is, and and he, and he often talks about the wonder of being forgiven, the wonder of having a home in heaven. He often begins by talking about these things. And at some point, this word shows up, therefore. And he goes on to talk about what it is to live these days between uh, the time that we become a child of God until the time we're welcome to heaven. What does it mean to live 
in the light of what God has done for us. And this section this morning is really hard to fully grasp and appreciate unless we take a look at that therefore and ask the question, what is it therefore? Why is that there? And we do that by realizing that that little word therefore looks back and then it looks forward. So what we're going to do quickly is look back at what Paul has said that precedes um, this, this little uh, scripture that we have today. Last week we talked about citizens of heaven are, peop- are citizens that are shaped by the cross. In other words, what Jesus did for us now shapes our understanding of our, of our life in this world. And, and uh, I'm just going to re- remind you of those, uh, of those verses, verses 5 through 11 of chapter 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And this is one of, the, one of Scripture's most beautiful hymns of praise to Jesus, okay? Listen to this. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You guys, if we take the death and resurrection of Jesus the awareness of what he left and why he came and what he did out of, our, um, out of our lives, out of our understanding of who we are and what matters in this life. The Christian life makes absolutely no sense. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if Jesus is not raised from the dead, if this whole Jesus story is not true, we're of all people the most to be pitied. Then put a loser sign on our forehead, and on we go. We're fools. But if this is true, if this is true what Jesus did, we are people that have something about us, something in us that is the absolute best thing a human being can have or know or possess. It's peace with God and its purpose in this life. Let's take a look at the first um, uh, three verses then. Where Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Okay, I love that. I love that. Because it says that, that, that when we share the gospel, we are not trying to build a relationship with ourselves, but we are trying to give them something that builds a relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul had brought them the gospel, and that's good news, but they weren't dependent on the Apostle Paul in order to go forward in this life in Christ. Paul had been the messenger, but now they had been captured by the message. This is wonderful. Paul is saying, I love it. You know, you guys did great when I was with you, but I hear about how you're responding to God's call on your life in my absence. That's even more important. What follows is this really interesting phrase. 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hmm, what's that all about? I thought we were saved by grace. And now we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Maybe you have a friend named, like Jack. Not named Jack, maybe you do. But a friend like Jack. Jack is um, a guy that understands that he was baptized into Christ, and that's, that's comforting to him, right? He's baptized into Christ, and, and, and he goes to church, and that's all good, right? But if you ask Jack about what Christ means to him, he would point to his baptism that Jesus died for his faith. And, and if you ask Jack about how it's going in walking with Jesus, he'd kind of give you a little funny look. Because <laughs> he doesn't think about life as walking with Jesus. He's got his church life, and he's got his regular life, okay? And he doesn't really have a connection between his church life and his regular life. And so, if you ask him about, for example, joy in Jesus, for him, joy would be more related to things going well in life, right? If things are going well in life, I have joy. If things aren't going well in life, well, not so much. Jack understands the objective reality, or is familiar with the objective reality, that Jesus died for his sins, and he was baptized into Jesus. That's wonderful. But what he's missing is living with that central fact as the guiding truth and reality in his life. He hasn't connected. So when things are going kind of rough in life, he has no reference point in terms of the, 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 the therefore of what Christ did for him and how it's playing out in daily living. Okay, so there, there's Jack. Or maybe you have a friend named Jill, like Jill. Jill grew up in a Christian home. Jill grew up around a lot of the blessings of a Christian home, devotions and, and, uh, and maybe singing and prayers before bed and all those kinds of things. And it was wonderful, and it is wonderful. It's a great way to grow up. Jill had a very sensitive or has a very sensitive spirit. So when the teacher says at the end of Sunday school class, if any of you would like to ask Jesus into your heart, well, Jill asked Jesus into her heart just about every Sunday. <laughs> she was given the opportunity. Loved to ask Jesus into her heart. She grew up going to, to Bible camp, and when they had an altar call at Bible camp or opportunity to give her life to Christ, she gave her life to Christ. Concerts, retreats. Jill lived kind of wondering where she stood with God. She probably could use a reminder on what's the other side of the therefore. The first part of the therefore, of all that Jesus is and had done for her, that she might be able to rest in that. <laughs> so when things went well in Jesus, it, in in. Uh, Jill's life, yeah, she experienced joy. But when things weren't going well, do you know what she thought? Maybe it was her fault. Maybe she hadn't been committed enough. <laughs> Maybe she hadn't prayed enough. Maybe she had slipped in her thought life and God was punishing her. Kind of a rough way to live. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing when we understand the power of the therefore. 
when we understand, first of all, the good news that that Christ died for us, that he lives for us, that he's coming again. And that reality of God's grace does not free us to live a self-centered life, but it frees us from living a self-centered life. It calls us into something greater. It calls us into something greater. So as we look at this text, we understand that what God is calling us to do, what Paul is encouraging his friends, is not to look at life for the Christian as working for our salvation. That's a futile, that's a futile pursuit. But working out our salvation. What do, what do we mean by working out our salvation? When God calls you to be his child, he calls you to a life that is beyond your capacity to live it, <laughs> honestly. But he doesn't expect you to live it on your own. He gives you the Holy Spirit. When we talk about Jesus coming into our lives, Jesus comes into our lives by his Holy Spirit. So that when we run into situations, for example, like, how many of you could use a little more patience? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you did. Thanks, Dan Tinquist. Okay. Not to call him out. Um, anyway. <laughs> when can we use a little more patience? So, so when we, we reach that point, God is not saying, be more patient, be more patient, be more patient. We say, God, I'm in a situation where I could use more patience, and I'm out of mine. Can I have some of yours? <laughs> can you help me with this? Paul says, it's God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. This is a wonderful life. It's a life where we rest in what he has done for us and we trust him for what he's desiring to do in us and through us. Secondly, we do everything without grumbling or arguing, ideally. We do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped, and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So we're, we're not whiners, we're shiners, okay? Easier said than done. But think about this. As important as it is to, to point our life in the direction of following Jesus, to to, to, to give our life to his cause, which of course means giving our lives to each other and others. What Paul is saying here is that in order for us to shine in this broken and perverse world, in order for us to be leaving others with a question like, why? What is it about her? It's not just what we do, it's the attitude that we do it. It's our attitude in life. We are people who are called to shine the light when sometimes it's easier to curse the darkness. Sometimes it's easier just to curse the darkness, talk about everything that's wrong, complain about everything that's wrong, including those around us who happen to be wrong. I know, I'm exaggerating, right? We aren't doing any of that these days. (laughs) Sometimes it's easier to curse the darkness than to shine the light. But Paul says, both in terms of our 
relating to God, understanding that the calling that He's placed on our life is not easy. And rather than having kind of a bearing in life where, where I, this is hard and this is hard and oh, it's hard to be me and it's hard, and, or, or having a critical spirit when it comes to others, understand that that is not a fragrant aroma to those who don't know Christ. They're not drawn to critical negative parts of me or you. But as we do things without grumbling and arguing, we become children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, and we shine among them like stars. You guys, the darker it gets, the more beautiful the presence of Christ in us is. Have the same attitude, Paul said earlier, that is also in Christ Jesus. And we realize this is not some willpower that we work up within us. It is the presence of Christ by His Holy Spirit as we hold firmly to His Word. I'm reading this. I'm thinking of my friend. Well, she's been dead a long time. Gilletta. When I was uh, a teenager growing up in, a, in the Presbyterian church I grew up in in Lesur, Gilletta lived down the street in a white clapboard house with red trim that was very, very basic, very simple. She was an older woman without much for means. In fact, she had a renter living with her to kind of help with the, with the expenses of life. I remember this about Gilletta. She had like a, a vibrato in her singing and a vibrato in her talking. Whenever she talked, it was like this. And so as kids, we'd, we'd have fun singing like Gilletta. Jesus loves me. Ha, 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 you sound just like Gilletta. I wish I looked like Gilletta. Gilletta had a peace about her. She had a joy about her kind of a settled confidence in, 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 in God's love for her. I don't know if she ever taught anything or did anything, but I tell you what, her bearing on life was beautiful. I saw Jesus in her. And so 50 years later, when I read about this, shining like stars in a crooked generation, I'm not thinking about some pioneer, pastor, or missionary, or teacher. Those are all good. God reminded me of Gilletta. <laughs> Hang in there. You might not think you're making a difference, but our attitudes are powerful witnesses to the goodness of God. Lastly, Paul says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in labor, that I did not run or labor in vain, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice of service coming from your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. As citizens of heaven, our joy in life is impossible to understand apart from understanding the promises that fuel our life. What's Paul talking about being poured out like a drink offering? Paul understands that his time in prison, one of these times is not going to end with a release here on earth, but a release to heaven. He understands that eventually this is probably going to cost him his life. And his friends do too. And you know what Paul is saying here? Good. <laughs> Fine. That's not the worst thing that could happen to me. 
In fact, he says, I love what is happening because of the work Christ is doing in me and through me and now doing through you. No one can take away the promises of God. No one can take away the anticipation that when we get through this short dash in our lives, we're going to stand before him. Paul says, you know what gives me great joy? You're going to be standing with me. You're going to be standing with me. So this morning, as we think about the direction of our life, the trajectory of our life, Christianity is not telling each other what we should do, should do, should do, should do, should do. So God will be happy with us. Christianity is rejoicing in God and his great love while we were still sinners, sent his son to give us the gift of peace with him, friendship with him, a right standing with him. And as we reflect on his grace that we're forgiven people, does that free us to be self-centered people? (laughs) Doesn't matter what I do, I'm saved by grace. (laughs) Of course it matters what we do, because we are saved by grace. It matters much. We, as citizens of heaven, are on the way to heaven. And until we get there, we have the privilege of reflecting and sharing the good news of what the King of Heaven has done for us and the wonder that we're His and we're on the way and that He is at work within us. Let's pray.